Hey and welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Vinanda van Delft. I'm a health and mindset coach, spaghetti and ice cream lover, travel junk and a cat mom. Today's guest is Dr. Elizabeth Eisering, better known as Dr. Liz. Dr. Liz is Director of Link Nutrition, adjunct honorary professor at Bond University, international speaker, author of over 150 peer-reviewed scientific papers and received over $4 million in research support. Dr. Liz is passionate about improving lives through evidence-based nutrition. She has been on the board of the Medjibir Foundation, Dietitian Connection, MASCC and Auspen. As a foodie, Dr. Liz loves to help people improve their health, fitness, energy and vitality via three pillars of mindset, menu and movement. Okay, so welcome Elizabeth to my podcast today. How are you doing? Hello, I am so well, thank you, and I'm excited about having, having our chat. Okay, amazing. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am uh, Liz Eisenring. Um, people know me as Dr. Liz. I run an online nutrition and wellness business. And um, up until fairly recently, I was an academic. So I was a professor of nutrition and dietetics and head of program for a master of nutrition and dietetics at Bond University on the Gold Coast in Australia. And um, so as part of that, you know, I've managed to teach the next generation of nutritionists. I did a lot of research, did quite a lot of travel before COVID. And um, generally was really happy and loved it. And I think I probably would have continued being a professor and an academic for life, probably. Um, but a little bit over a year ago, sort of uh, a couple of things happened all at once. It was kind of like the, the perfect storm. So I, I was very stressed. And looking back, I think I probably was heading for burnout because, you know, I was a, a working mum in a very senior position and, and had a lot of responsibilities. Um, and that around about a very similar time, I had two friends, one after another, diagnosed with cancer. And um, my PhD was actually in nutrition to support people through their cancer journey. And so I've actually, myself and my team, have um, written some of the, the key guidelines for the area. And so you'd think I'd know a lot. Um, and while I do know a lot in that space, what was really interesting was seeing my friends go through that journey I sort of looked at it through a different lens and um, it just gave me a whole different perspective so basically um, supporting them through that and uh, seeing the good parts of the care but then just some huge gaps as well they weren't even informed about these guidelines and these recommendations that we had published years ago that kind of just made me I think question everything um, so whether you want to call it a midlife crisis or a spiritual awakening or whatever it is, but it just really made me question my life. Um, and so, yeah, so I kind of reassessed some things and, um, prioritized a little bit differently. And so, and so part of that was then realizing that while the research and the academic was important and I, I still keep my hand in there, I really just wanted to help people now with good information and good support now. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've transitioned into the business world, which is quite different, actually. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, so, so you said you were mm. helping and studying like nutrition and, and cancer and how to guide people through that. So um, 
what is because there's a lot of information out there like you said like um people are not informed well enough or there are gaps in in all of that what what is the biggest gap that you think people should know when it comes to diseases and nutrition and what's not been told yeah i think the big one is just just how having a good foundation of nutrition and eating well and of course, as part of that is stress management and movement. So general health, healthy living. But how important that is in terms of helping you to get through treatment and to recover from treatment. And as you said, everyone's an individual and a lot of the, the chemotherapies and the treatments now are so individualized. You know, it's hard to sort of generalize. They're so different for each person. But just that it makes a big difference and that there are certain things like for example, after surgery or during chemotherapy, it's often very important to have a good intake of protein because those sort of treatments, as well as damaging the tumor cells, they damage your healthy cells as well. So protein sort of the building block of the body. So it's important to have enough. Um, but if you don't know about that, and, and the other thing is when people have a, a big health scare, they're often very motivated to make changes which is good, but sometimes those changes can be a bit dramatic if they haven't had the right information. You know, they might decide to go vegan or only green foods or all. And of course, there's all sorts of extreme diets out there um, and a lot of sort of misinformation. And so I guess the first thing is just to know that it makes a difference and it's important to be aware of it and get some information on it. And the second thing is to know exactly what's going to be helpful um, and, and not to do anything too strict or too crazy because some of them can actually interrupt, uh, interfere, you know, with the chemotherapy or some of those treatments as well. So I guess with my friends, the, the biggest frustration, because uh, one actually had some, a type of cancer that was heavily influenced by nutrition, the other one not so much, but it still can make a difference. And neither of them, you know, everyone spoke about pain management, uh, um, skin management and how to manage the nausea and everything else but no one at all mentioned nutrition and one of them in particular had a lot of problems during chemotherapy a lot of nausea wasn't eating lost a lot of weight um and and yeah so it's just this huge gap and i thought you know we we have good information we've got resources you know why why weren't we um why didn't they have access to them and they had you know they went to good hospitals and one of them, you know, said something that really sort of stuck with me, which was kind of like, um, because actually the support during the chemotherapy was pretty good. But then after that, you know, as she sort of said, it was like um, we were sort of just spat, spat out of the system to try and pull our lives and all the broken pieces back together again. Yeah. And, and that's exactly how they felt. It's, you know, you get the shock of the diagnosis. You're suddenly having all this treatment that you don't really understand what's going on. Um, and then, and you're still very sick or have side effects and then bang, you're kind of discharged home to sort of, you know, <laughs> put it all together again. again. I just yeah. thought, I'll be, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, that there should be a better way. So I was sort of inspired to try and help fill those gaps because, um, you know, the knowledge that I have is quite specialised around that area. Area, So I was sort of originally, because my business is called Link Nutrition, so originally I was hoping to be a link between the hospital and the home. So I do, I do support people with cancer, um, so that's one of the things I do. But the interesting thing is I, um, 
while I do, that's what I thought I was going to be doing with my business, I actually seem to be attracting a lot of very busy women <laughs> who are under stress or burnout. Um, and basically, and during COVID, you know, too much emotional eating, a lot of drinking, and basically just wanting to get um, to help look after their health and fitness again and sort of get, get their lives a bit back back so yeah so I thought I was you know going to be the cancer nutrition guru and I do do that and I enjoy that but I would say at the moment I'm mainly supporting busy women um to get healthy and happy that's sort of the the main thing I'm doing (laughs) yeah that's amazing so how does nutrition link to stress or or disease or cancer like how important is it really Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is important. Now, of course, I'm biased (laughs) and I'm going to say that, but it's not just my opinion. The science and the research does actually back that up and we're finding out more and more all the time. So I think from a couple of different different perspectives. So the first is that we have such a powerful link and two-way communication between our brain and our gut. And I think, you know, we've sort of known for a while that how we think affects our gut that's not so surprising you know if someone is asked to give a speech or to sit an exam they might feel really nervous and and you know have those sort of butterflies in their stomach but we've only more recently learned that what we eat does affect our mood our thoughts anxiety Uh, it can be involved in food cravings which is very interesting different bacteria that live in our in our guts in our intestines can actually lead us to have different cravings whether it's for fatty foods or high sugar foods and it's different types of bacteria can actually cause us to have cravings for different types of food, which is, I think, really interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, sleep and anxiety. It is. It is. And it's a little bit like I think it's fascinating, but also a little bit scary too. that, you know, we're not, fully, yeah, we're not fully like we think we're in control. You know, we're not fully in control. There's all these different signals and things happening all over the place. And it's a lot of it seems to be the compounds that some of the bacteria in our gut produce um, that can have, and they can have a positive influence. They can help us feel relaxed or happy and sleep well, but they can also have a negative influence if we have too much processed food or very artificial food. Um, And they can make, you know, they can um, make us feel more tense, more anxious um, and and have the the food cravings. So, there is a, a really important link and, and we know that basically eating more of those foods that are found in nature, like, you know, plenty of whole foods and vegetables and berries and those sorts of things um, are good for pretty much everything. You know, they're good for your skin and, but, but they're particularly good for your gut health and also your brain health. So yeah. I think it's, it's really important and we understand a lot more now than we did, but I think it is such a fascinating area. I think over the next decade or so, we're just going to learn more and more and more. <laughs> yeah, it is fascinating. But what I always ask, um, and I, I found different articles about that, because in processed food, uh, of course, there's a lot of chemical uh, stuff in it, but what's the difference between eating something high sugary or like a fruit that's high in sugar? How... how is there a difference mm-hmm. even how does the body yeah. react to that how is it different yeah i yeah yeah <laughs> yes and no this is one of those difficult questions which yeah. is where we kind of say it all depends it all depends um in a simplistic level i would always argue that eating whole food or something like fruit generally is 
treated uh, better because, you know, it has all the fiber, it has a lot of vitamins and minerals, and, you know, it takes a little while. Um, not necessarily, like some, sometimes, you know, fruit can be very quickly digested by the, by the body, um, but it's more natural form. It's got good, good stuff in it as well. I think the challenge with processed foods is it tends to have, particularly if it's very um, high in, in, you know, fructose syrup or other sort of sugars. So it's very high in sugars, often not, doesn't have much fiber. So it's not slowing down the absorption of those sugars. And often it doesn't have, you know, too many vitamins or minerals, or if it does, this is the crazy thing, you know, they have to add it back in because it's so processed. So for example, a lot of the breads and the cereals, you look at them and they say, you know, source of iron or source of whatever and B vitamins. And you think, oh, that's great. But then you have a look. It might be that the, the flour or whatever is so processed, they actually have to add in, you know, all those extra vitamins and things that they took out during yeah. the processing. Um, so, so I would always argue that fruit or whatever is, is um, better tolerated because of the other things in them. However, the, the bit where I say there are some similarities, it's true if it's a carbohydrate you know, they eventually get broken down into um, its simplest form, which is generally glucose. You know, sometimes it might be fr fructose or, um, and then, you know, get broken down into glucose. So I think sometimes the messaging around all the different sugars can be confusing. You know, um, people say, oh, I don't eat sugar, but then they might have, you know, agave syrup or different types of nectars and things. And at the end of the day, um, most of them still get broken down into glucose, which is treated similarly by the body. Yeah. So that, that's just where I caution a little bit. Sometimes people think they're doing the right thing, but they're still having sugar. It's just by a different name. But the whole, you know, sugar and fruit versus processed food, I would still, you know, go the fruit every time because it's got a lot of goodies in it as well. Yeah. And then I guess for those who are really concerned, then you can go with a more low carbohydrate type thing like berries. <laughs> yeah, and then them. you get the goodies yeah. without much. Yeah. Well. So is that sort of, yeah. So is that sort of what you were, or what, 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 um, is that sort yeah. of what you were getting at about? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Because I, I know a lot of people, food and, yeah. yeah, because I know a lot of people know, you know, it's sugar, but in fruit is also sugar. But so basically it's kind of, treated the same way in your body but with food you get more benefits from it like the vitamins and minerals and the fibers and so in the end it's much much better for right. you that's right it slows it down yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i think so. i and the more you know like i said i've sort of studied nutrition for for 20 years and and you know it's one of those things some particularly nutrition because it's so fascinating you know sometimes it's one of those things the more you learn the more you realize there's so much more we need to learn <laughs> yeah. but i i'm a big believer in the power of nature and that you know we've evolved to digest and tolerate certain things so first of all i think we're incredibly adaptable and we can tolerate you know a whole wide range of things um, that's the good news. But I think the other thing is as soon as we sort of veer away too far from foods as they're found in nature, I generally think that's not such a great idea because, you know, we might've only had decades or a hundred years or so to, um, you know, have some of these very processed foods and the problem, some of the things we have now are highly processed, really, really processed, um, which, you know, for, for thousands of years we've 
had them in different forms. So I, I must admit, I'm, I'm very much into getting back to nature, um, enjoying a wide range of foods. I, you know, I think food, eating and food is one of life's greatest pleasures. So I, oh. I really have enjoyment and, and, um, you know, like to know the farmers and the farmers markets and buy all the food and prepare all the food. But yeah, I must admit, I, I'm not, I don't like the idea of ultra processed foods. I just don't think we're designed to, um, to eat a lot of them. I mean, we can handle a little bit now and again, but I think most people eat way too much processed food and um, perhaps without even realizing it because it's just so widely available now. Um, well, my teacher used to say when I was studying nutrition, she would always say like, uh, if it doesn't look like it comes from the tree or doesn't look like it comes from nature, you have to think twice before eating it. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Like you don't see a bread tree or something like that or yeah. a pasta tree or I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think there's something to that. And yeah. then like, I, you know, the, the similar thing, if you if your grandparents or great grandparents wouldn't recognize it, then maybe it's, <laughs> yeah. maybe it's not a good, a good thing. And yeah. I think the other one is around the food labels. If you, if you see huge number of ingredients with, you know, all sorts of numbers and things you don't fully understand, then, you know, <laughs> yeah, if you cannot probably, pronounce um, it, you should be processed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are some diets out there that support the whole eating more like, like, nature or how the cavemen used to eat um like like paleo uh is one of them um do you think it's really helpful to eat like that or are you saying like no it's still a diet it's it's not what you should eat or the way you should eat okay yeah so i guess a couple of points around that anything that's too that has a lot of rules and is really strict generally i'm not too keen on um one because i'm the sort of person as soon as you tell me not to do something i want to do it <laughs> that's just my nature so i don't i don't think rules you know rules are meant to be broken um and so that's one part i think when anything too many rules or cutting out too many foods look i think there's some very good things about the paleo uh in that you're getting back to nature and there's more an emphasis on whole foods and and you know lots of vegetables and things i think it does cut out some foods that are potentially very healthy and that we don't really need to so for example a lot of the legumes and the lentils those sorts of things yeah. i believe and a lot of research does show that they're excellent um sources you know they're great um a great source of soluble fiber and um, the type of high carbohydrates that are contained in those foods are actually handled really quite well by the body and obviously a lot of cultures rely on those sorts of things as one of their main staples and protein sources um, i also you know some of the really strict ones cut out all fruit and whatever and i i you know i think fruit's a good thing and um but particularly you know focusing more i guess on, on berries and some of those sort of lower carbohydrate type things so i um Look, I think it's anything that's getting away from ultra-processed food, I think is, is a good thing. Um, I know some people who do adopt a paleo-type diet and, and enjoy it. Um, I like to be a bit more flexible about things. And I guess I prefer to see more of a plant-based. And that's a little bit from health 
um, because you know a lot of the research shows that you know having a, a diet more based on on plant-based is is good um, and it's also I guess just environmental sustainability I mean I, I don't yeah but um, so I think that is a way of eat that is certainly one way of eating um, but I also think a plant-based diet or having you know a bit more um, uh, fruits in it and having some some legumes and things that are generally removed from a very strict paleo diet I think can be good as well yeah. um, and I guess it's just that word diet as well isn't it I think Mediterranean is a nice way of eating I think there's lots of research to support that I I also you know like the idea around intuitive eating or just learning to have a good relationship with food and that rather than a diet per se it's almost like the 80 20 rule you know if you you're eating very healthy foods you know most of the time um and then you can enjoy you know a, a small slice of cake or whatever else now and again so you can still enjoy life still be social still nothing's off limits but you get to choose what you would like um and when you enjoy it so that's that's sort of my approach however i'm saying that i have things do suit different people and i've seen everything from a very low carbohydrate diet to a very high carbohydrate diet and people do well on every type of thing in the in between so it's yeah. it is so individual <laughs> yeah that's true yeah uh, you said before that the mind and the gut are, are working together um so how important is mindset when it comes to healthy mm -hmm. living Yeah, I think it's critical now and so much so, like I sort of shared that I've, um, you know, sort of made this transition from academia uh, into business and supporting people uh, more in a hands-on approach as opposed to more through my research and my teaching. Um, and so I actually now, in all, in all the support I do, I talk about mindset, menu and movement. And they're sort of the three pillars that I use as the foundation. Um, and for me, that was quite a new thing, um, the mindset and fully appreciating how important it is. So I think um, one in terms of uh, just having a, a positive and growth mindset, having the resilience. And I think it's important for developing healthy habits and, and so much of, uh, you know, enjoying a, a healthy life and good uh, well-being, I think, is about um, building healthy, sustainable, enjoyable habits and sort of making some things just automatic. It's not, you know, it's like brushing your teeth. You don't have to think about it. You, you get in your half an hour or hour or whatever it is of enjoyable movement a day. Yeah. And I think I mentioned that to you because I, I sort yeah. of have a bit of an aversion around the word exercise. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it means hard work and sweating it out in the gym. So I like to use, you know, enjoyable movement as something that, you're active but it's something that you really enjoy and look forward to doing so i think mindset is very important for habit formation healthy habit formation and i also think um we know a lot now about um, the stress hormones and how stress can impact negatively um long term as you said before in the short term it's great from running away from tigers and and things back uh when we needed to um, but nowadays, so many of us are under chronic stress and it's not good, um, you know, for the gut, for general health, for the immune system. So mm -hmm. I think um, doing things to strengthen the sort of mindset and have a more positive approach often can be very effective for managing stress as well and mm -hmm. helping 
us have more of a sense of confidence and um, more of a sense of control of, about, I guess, how we react to things that happen in life. Yeah. So I think it's really important. So I, I've, I included in all my, in all my programs and support now, um, which is yeah. interesting because we don't tend to do a lot of that traditionally in nutrition. You know, it focuses very much on the nutrition content of foods um, and perhaps we do a little bit. We focus on counselling and, and coaching, but I certainly, that's why I guess I'm very attracted and I like the stuff that you do and very attracted to including the mindset as part of it. Because as we all know, um, behaviour change is so complex yeah. and just giving someone a recommendation of what to eat I mean, that, that's, that's not enough. That's a very um, narrow way of, of looking at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm curious about the stress because a lot of people are going through stress, especially now with COVID going on. Um, what are signs of stress? Because a lot of people only recognize that they have stress when it's basically already too late with a burnout or mental breakdown or when they cannot sleep anymore. So what are yeah. early signs of, of having stress? Yeah. Because there are a couple of different types of stress that you may not always recognize. Um, yeah. That's very true. So I guess you've picked up on all the big ones that are often extreme or, or chronic stress with, um, you know, people having problems sleeping, uh, problems eating, uh, memory problems, not being able to concentrate, um, not being able to regulate moods properly. Those are all sort of signs more on that end um, but even earlier on I think it's the feeling of being overwhelmed or not being able to think clearly and um, um, it can for some some people um, actually come to me with gut issues um, and then we soon work out particularly with some people with irritable bowel syndrome uh, there can be a big link and if they're very stressed um, it can actually lead to some symptoms gut symptoms which may feel like um, things like nausea or sometimes bloating and pain um, as well so I think you know it varies for uh, different people the other thing that so I'm seeing a lot of that at the moment is uh, at the moment um, and then things that I'm seeing is people are often having a lot of coffee or a lot of caffeine to try and get them through the day as well as lots of munchies um, and while a little bit of caffeine can actually be very good in terms of helping you concentrate and memory and even exercise and sport, it does because how it does that, it, you know, it helps to stimulate um, some of the stress hormones and cortisol and things like that. Having too much can actually make you feel more stressed, increase anxiety and uh, have problems with sleep. And so that's a little bit of a tricky, and that combined then with alcohol. So I see a lot of people living on at coffee or energy drinks during the day and then a lot of alcohol at night to help them unwind. Yeah. And those two combined with stress, it, it just then becomes a bit of this tricky self-fulfilling self-fulfilling cycle that can be quite hard to break. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a tricky one. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people, the, the signs you just yeah. mentioned for a lot of people that is normal. Uh, or that they are overwhelmed in business because I'm yeah, too busy. Yeah, that's right. I know, isn't that? Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 yep. becoming like it's a normalization yeah. of uh, having stress, being busy all the time, and yeah, 
it's, it's very Easy. true and almost wearing it like a badge of honor you know how are you going busy 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 yeah, yeah. and that i was joking with um yeah um, with a with a colleague actually just saying how i've really noticed particularly in the past uh past month how many people i'm supporting with um emotional eating and drinking and i was you know saying that same thing living on coffee during the day and alcohol at night and you know my colleague said oh well, that's normal though isn't it and i was thinking oh it doesn't have to be but that's right the fact that you know very high level executive operating at these high levels are just thinking yeah but we all do it it's just normal yeah and yeah i think that can become a, a problem it has become normal for a lot of people during this time but really that's not the sort of thing that's doing your body or your mind any good long term yeah. and the problem is you know we can perhaps cope with that for a while but you know as soon as we go over that threshold or we get sick um or those of us who are a bit older and in our prime you know certainly i've noticed in being in my 40s i don't bounce back like i did in my 20s and um that can often be the the time that people start to take more interest in their nutrition or their health because you know they gain weight and get aches and pains but they might realize that they just don't they're just not the same as when they were younger and yeah. so I sort of realise I need to start taking a bit better care now if they don't want it to <laughs> get worse over time. Yeah, yeah, because it is a, a long term process, isn't it? Right? As you, as, um, when you are eating unhealthy or having stress for a long period of time, it results in getting diseases or um, not feeling well. And basically, your body. Uh, what I've learned is it, it's. It's always trying to protect you. It's always trying to do the best for you. But at some point, if you are not supporting your body, it cannot support you anymore. So when you're experiencing um, headaches, migraines, um, like real bad diseases, then it's basically a sign too late um, to change. Well, is it too late to change it or isn't? Uh I, I would you, say you that it's never that? too late to change. Yeah. Like I, I think, yeah, so I think, yeah, exactly. So even people with cancer or heart disease or diabetes, like you can still do improvements. But obviously that's, you know, that's trying to, it's like, um, you know, trying to plug a hole uh, with the water gushing out after it's already happened. Obviously, if we prevent that from happening in the first place, then that's much better. And I do think that is one of the, the things which is hard with nutrition and, and fitness and even mindset is that um, particularly when we're young, you know, the body's amazing thing. We can cope with a lot of things, but some of So I um, support a lot of clients with, with chronic disease and lifestyle disease. So things like type two diabetes, heart disease, and then of course um, the cancers and because they do take decades to develop. Um, so often they don't present themselves until, the earliest is often 40 but it might be 50 60 and that's true when but i think the other thing is we um the body does sort of try and communicate and and we've got to be a bit more in tune and not try and so you know when we do sort of feel the aches and pains or the, the stomach pain now and again or the headaches or whatever else and then often we just try and soldier on and then the body will keep going and then I do think we often get those little wake up calls and then they sort of get big. If we don't listen to them, you know, they get bigger and bigger. And then unfortunately it might be a really big wake up call and a, a big health, health scare or diagnosis. 
Um, and it may be too late, but uh, in most cases, I think um, that there is quite a lot we can do in terms of lifestyle to even with things that are incurable, at least in terms of quality of life, um, they can have a big impact. Um, the other thing which is interesting, I noticed then, so a lot of these things may have taken decades to develop. And then, you know, someone eats healthy or goes to the gym for a week and expects it <laughs> to be fixed. But yeah, yet, wow. you know, it took 30, 40 years to develop. Um, yeah, so it's still going to take some time. But the remarkable thing is that often, so for example, in gut health, often within, you know, 14 days or so of changing your diet, um, you can start to feel improvements which to me is remarkable yeah. and then certainly within a few months often you can then visibly see the difference and you think of all those internal you know biochemical changes and everything that's actually happening inside your body um, it, it's still to me the fact that you can significantly improve your health and well-being within a few weeks to a few months and definitely you know within half a year or a year or more you know big changes and I think sometimes we've got to you know, just remind people of that. And that's why, um, you know, focusing on lifestyle and being more sustainable rather than, you know, these crazy diets or crazy yeah. things that people can only stick to for a short amount of time. Um, you know, really for the rest of your life, you know, spending and it's not, yeah, I don't like thinking about, you know, we go on a diet and then we can relax for a bit. It's, yeah, it's more about finding a way that works. Yeah. That works for you that you can sort of continue, you know, it does become part of your lifestyle because yeah. it's, you know, it's something. Um, and then I think that's, you know, when you feel healthier and you feel better and, and you know, compared to when you were feeling stressed or unfit, like the body then likes it, it craves it. And so I think that's, that's the key, sort of constantly looking for, for different improvements and things that you can do. Yeah. And try and somehow we need to sort of disconnect ourselves a little bit from the busyness and the social media and all of that and get a little bit more in tune with what's going on and listen to some of those messages our, our body's trying to tell us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What what is your biggest lesson from all the all the years of experiencing um and, and being in the health industry, being in, in the medical industry as well? Uh, what is your biggest lesson you've learned that you could share with the listeners, share with the world um, when it comes to that? That is a great question. That's a great question. There's a, okay, that's a good question. There's a couple. <laughs> so I think the first is probably that we are all individual. What works for one person is not necessarily going to work the same way for someone else. And that we generally have you know, we listen to the advice of the experts, but we do, you know, we're more familiar with our own bodies and, and how we feel and whether something is improving or not. So I think don't be afraid to um, to have some sort of trust in terms of what, what feels good or what, what works for you and that individual component. So I think that's one. Um, the second one is that... It honestly, it's so much, you know, it's all about balance and synergy and doing stuff that works together. I think I very much used to just think, um, so a lot of my colleagues are, you know, in the exercise area and we sort of have these debates, what's more important, nutrition or exercise? And we'd waste 
hours debating. At the time, I thought it was a debate, whereas now I'm kind of like, why are we even saying this? It's like hand in glove. They all, you know, the mindset, the nutrition, the exercise and what, you know, financial um, support, all the different layers that you want to add to that you know they all work together it should be in balance and synergy so it's to me it's not really like one's more important than the other it's by doing little improvements in all of those areas we can have a huge improvement overall um, and then I think my third one is um, is that a bit about the consistency and I you know being a yeah. bit of a black or white person it, and thinking that you know you, you had to follow this particular method for a while or you had to work out in a particular way um, otherwise there was no point doing it and because often those um, goals were so unrealistically high <laughs> then yeah. they're very hard to sustain um, and I think what I've sort of fully appreciated now is just those little simple things sometimes crazy simple like you know doing a 10 minute walk or little bit of meditation or um, going to the farmer's markets once a week and having lots of fresh food. But if you're doing that consistently over time, they really, really, really do add up. So to summarize, I think one, um, it's so individual. What works for one person is not necessarily going to work for the other. I think second is um, really try and get in tune with your own body and you know, your body, um, best and um you know listen to those warning signals get the expert advice and, and fine-tune to work out what's going to work best for you and third i think um don't have to make it too hard like enjoyable forming healthy habits and su sustainable and consistency actually can have a tremendous uh, impact and i think that's actually really good news for a lot of people who think you know health has to be hard or exercise yeah. has to be you know it's all too hard i think making it fun and sustainable and supportive and whatever um is actually really good news it's good news and the final thing because like i can't resist is just how <laughs> fascinating the, the body is like really it's it's remarkable how adaptable we are how flexible we are how much that we can cope with so much more than we know but likewise if we start you know, improving the way we eat and exercising a bit more, the body adapts to it. Um, so it's really, it's really remarkable. When yeah. We've got to appreciate it more and not, <laughs> not take it for granted. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, our bodies are incredible. It's mm. amazing and fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, so if people have questions about mm. this or mm. about what you're doing or want to work with you, how can people find you? Mm. Yeah, I think the, my website's probably the best. So that's drliznutrition.com. And otherwise, I'm on all the socials as Dr. Liz or Link Nutrition. That's Link with a C. And I really, I do um, regular webinars and things. And I love, you know, having these excellent discussions and people asking questions and things. And, you know, because of my experience with my friends and even my own journey with stress and burnout, um, you know, very happy to, to talk and, and spread the love. And I think the more that we share these sort of stories and tips to support one another, the more that we can get the message out there that, you know, it doesn't take too much to actually improve your health and, and your happiness and just yeah. what a tremendous difference it has in your life that um you know we we need to sort of spread the love spread the spread the message spread the love <laughs> yeah 
Uh, well, thank you so much. I will leave all the details in the description box so people can find you and contact you if they want to or ask you questions. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I want to thank you a lot for this conversation and I hope it helped at least one person out there to understand that health is, is it can be fun, can be easy, but it is really important to, to live a healthier lifestyle um, to be able to, to do whatever we love to do. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank exactly, you. Exactly, which is what it's all about. <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure. So good to <laughs> chat. <laughs> thank you. See you. Thank you, bye.